You're listening to This Outside Life with Lori Kaler. Here we explore the lives of outsiders, those people who work or play in the great outdoors. At This Outside Life, we are committed to curing nature blindness and helping you step outside and step into wonder. Whether you like to enjoy nature by backpacking or from your back porch, there's something here for you to learn and appreciate about this amazing world we all share. My guest for today's show is Judy Robb. Judy is a friend I knew way back when in college. And back then, we were just sort of friends that met through sororities. And let's just say the thing we had in common was not higher learning. Anyway, I lost touch with Judy, and surprise, surprise, she went on to, um, I think, marry a dairy farmer, milk cows, do all that, decided, no, I don't want to do this, went to Chicago, then got a master's in computer science, and wow, and then she's working with IBM, and then she bought some land in Wisconsin, and she and her husband are beekeeping. So What's going on with beekeeping? How do you do this? Can anybody set this up in their backyard? Let's talk with Judy and find out. Stick around till the end of the show. I have some free downloads, links, and information for you, like recipes with honey, great books on beekeeping, and stuff like that. Judy greets me in a charming, authentic Amish straw hat and sensible jeans and boots. Her strawberry blonde hair is in braids. We walk into her home, and the first thing I notice are the vibrant oil paintings on almost every wall. There are paintings of flowers, bees, and various critters. Whoever lives here obviously enjoys the nature that surrounds this place. We get cold glasses of water in... What else? Mason jars. And head out to her back porch to chat outside. We have a lot of catching up to do. My paintings are in here. Some of these are my So I work for a technology company. So I've spent a lot of time in San Francisco. Yeah, I was a program manager, a UX program manager. So you could work from here and do all that work? Yeah. You are so blessed. Well, I'm retiring and... Happily. I want to do my own thing, my own of consulting course. and design work and yeah. stuff. So I'm done, you know, winding down, pretty wow. much checked out mentally. But I think I checked out mentally two years ago. <laughs> but nobody noticed. Well, yeah, so it's time. So how did you find this place? Well, I, uh, when I got out of college, I um, married a guy I met in Madison and, you know, illusions of grandeur went to Casanova, which is Richland County, and to save the family farm. And I was a dairy farmer for three years. Dead serious. Dead serious. That's like, really hard work. It was. And, like, and, no breaks. And then I found out that as young, you know, you're young, and he decided he wasn't going to get up anymore in the morning. So I was, like, milking the cows seven days a week. So then one day I said... Okay, how many cows? I think of the, at peak we had like 56 we milked, and then maybe in the summer a few more we'd, you know, shuffle them in and out. Oh my gosh. Now, do you do that with machines? Yeah, milking yeah, okay. machines pipeline. Yeah. But so one day I was like, I'm moving. So I, I, I was like, I'm out of here. I'm going to Chicago. I can't 
do this. Yeah, it's backbreaking. Well, and I was like, I don't want to wake up 35 years old with nothing to show for it. So then I worked in, um, I worked for photographers in studios that like kind of famous photographers. Yeah. Cause I, and then I started doing my own stuff. Um, then I met a photographer named Mark Hauser who was, was a famous portrait photographer and he and I wrote a book together. Um, it was like a motorcycle subculture. So we, oh, cool. so that we, we did that. And then I, um, I went and lived in LA for a while just for the art, you know, experience. And then I came back to Chicago and then, you know, milling around with my life. And then I went back to school and got my master's in computer science in human computer interaction, which is like how people interact with systems, user experience design. Yeah. And so I was able to bring all my design technology and kind of being a social anthropologist all together. That is so cool. Yeah, so then I got the job at IBM, and I've worked for many, many cool companies and projects, and it'll be 13 and a half years, but it's time to do my own thing now. Yeah. Uh, so Vanda Honey is our honey, and then Vanda Art is my art and my consulting business. So now Vanda, is that your husband's last name? No, no. It's... <laughs> no. <laughs> um, have you, you've, uh, you've heard of Seinfeld, the TV show, yeah. right? Well, they had a fake company called Vandalay Industries. Oh, so funny. Okay. So when we were going to start our honey thing, and we trademarked the name Van Honey in 2014. So that's when we created the LLC. Well, what do you want to call it? How about Vanda Honey? I said, perfect. <laughs> I thought, oh, it's an amalgamation of your name. No. It, it, hilarious. Uh -huh. Well, it's been a lot of work, but... You know, I like gardening, and I like mm. I like being Love out in gardening. nature. And you know what, IBM's been good to me, and I've learned a lot, mm -hmm. and I've had a lot of great experiences. So now it's time to take all that and do it for me. Good for you. Plus, I if I never have to get on a plane again, I'll be happy. Oh my God! <laughs> I think of all the times I've spent wasted in airports and sitting on planes analyzing you know every little nook and cranny and okay so bees yeah so um <laughs> billy my husband who you'll meet is very much an outdoorsy guy and he but he has bad rheumatoid arthritis you know he was kind of a blue collar guy but he had to kind of quit that job because it's hard on your joints it's hard on his joints so you know i was working and he was i was you need something to do. Mm, yeah. So I said, why don't you take this beekeeping class we saw in the, like, you know, some paper or something. So he went, and then we started with a few hives. So that was in 2014. And now he's totally embraced it. And he's making his own queens, and you'll get to see all of that. Wow. So that's how we got into it. And so then, how many hives do you have? You know what? I'm not exactly sure. Um, there's three right there, and then uh -huh. we have the bulk of them up there, and then he has a mating apiary where he raises his queens, which you'll see. So I think 10, 12, maybe like 15, 16, 17 right now. Wow. I'm okay. not sure. Okay, you in California, um, you know, they're 
so little bees to pollinate the massive amount of crops. They ship them in. They ship them around. Does anybody ever ask you, like, hey, can we use your hives for a while? <laughs> uh, no. This, we're a little bit different. We are more into the uh, small batch honey production mm-hmm. and raw with, you know, so there's a lot of, like, propolis and and beeswax and, you know, you get a piece of bee wing in there because that's what's really where the health quality is. So yeah. we don't filter it other than running it through like a kitchen strainer, you know, mm-hmm. like what you would dry your lettuce in. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of stuff in there. We'd never heat it because that's when you heat it, that's when you lose some of those, uh, I want to call it medicinal properties if you think of food as medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, Honey never goes bad. Yeah, I've heard that in Egyptian tombs they found honey. It's yeah. It's kind of wild. We have honey from, like, the first year that is still good. Um, we also do comb honey. A lot of people like that whole comb. Why do they like it in the comb? It's just kind of a foodie thing, and it's really good. It's like, yeah, I've, I've done that. I've, I've smeared that on... Uh, it looks like, oh, well, you can't eat this. It's like wax or something. But it's good when you it's, put it on toast. It's really yeah. good, yeah. And so uh, we sell our honey and comb to the Spring Green General Store. Oh, that's so cool. And they are going to feature it, actually, in a couple of weeks on their menu in, like, a cheese board. And, Ooh, Yeah, nice. so honey and cheese board. I had that once at a restaurant. I had, um, there was a couple different cheeses, and then they poured... Honey with sprigs of lavender sprinkled on it. I was like, oh, this is quite nice. I never would have thought of that together. Sounds good. Yeah. it's We're learning as we go, and when it comes to the beekeeping part, Billy knows a lot more than I do. Uh-huh. I'm just kind of the marketer, <laughs> the helper. <laughs> I mean, I help him, we, you know, do the bees, mm-hmm. but he's in there all the time. And I mean, so he's enjoying it? It's, it it's... He's loving it, and he really good record keeping. You oh. have to, a lot of, because every hive is... Got its different nuances and yeah. issues. And- what do you not like about beekeeping? Getting them through the winter is always yeah. I was a gonna because shoot. Wisconsin <laughs> is like thirty below and ten feet of snow. I mean, how do they live through that? Well, we wrap the hives in tar paper, and mm. this year all of our hives made it through the winter. And Billy did a really good job of wrapping them. So he wrapped them so that they were tight. The uh, so think of it as like uh, wrapping a package. Mm-hmm. So you don't want any water or moisture to get down in there. And you have to leave a little crack open because they do take uh, cleansing flights in the winter. They do? Yeah. Huh. And uh, so, and then the, we have the opening in the front open. So there's a, it's a small entrance for winter. So that's the winter entrance. And then if it snows, I'll snowshoe up and rush everything off so that they can get in and out. So even if it's like 10 degrees outside, but if it's sunny, they'll go outside? Yes. I've been up there after a snowstorm when it's been cold and there's been bees out. And then they're always cleaning out. So you'll see like dead drones on the snow because they're always cleaning in there. Oh, that's fascinating. So they huddle, you know, you want to give them 60 to 70 pounds of honey they need to get through the winter. One hive. Yeah. So wow. we leave quite a bit of honey for them. So we'll harvest honey probably over over um, July, beginning of August. But then that main nectar flow of, you know, like the goldenrod and the later flowers, we'll, we won't harvest any of that. We'll leave that for them. And they go through all of it during the winter? Well, they have, there were some left this spring. But um, that's where some beekeepers, I think, in this 
climate go wrong because they take too much, they get a little piggy. Uh, and then their bees starve. Huh. Also, the the tar paper and keeping that uh, airflow so it doesn't get moisture build up in there and freeze, oh, uh, then they'll freeze to death if they can't get to the honey, you know. So they'll yeah. cluster together. So honey won't freeze? No. Wow. Well, they keep it pretty warm in there. And the tar paper helps, so they, it heats up during the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you use tar paper because it's black and it'll yeah, absorb, absorb the sun. Mm-hmm. Oh, because mm-hmm. I was sitting here thinking, why wouldn't you just use plastic? But okay, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, plus it breathes. Uh, so we did really well with that through the winter. Billy's been doing splits. Like some of these hives over here, they were getting really aggressive and they were just so many bees. So he did a couple of splits. Called They're called nooks. So you take them apart? like Yeah, and make a new hive. Oh, all right. So then he has to make a queen, though, right? Yeah, so that that's the mating part of it. So you have a separate apiary area for making queens. Yes. And and how do you make a queen? I thought you were either, you know, you're female and that's it. Uh, well, I, I'm going to let him tell you about that. Okay. But they'll, if they're, say there's a queen in a hive and she's starting to get weak, mm-hmm. they'll make queen cells. And it's something in the biology that makes that a queen cell rather than a honeybee cell. So and the drones themselves will start making a queen cell? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And then they'll, you'll see multiple on, the, on a frame. And, some, and sometimes you want to kill them off in the early spring because they can swarm. Like they'll, they'll ra- hatch a new queen and then they'll take off. Uh, yeah, so how do you prevent swarms? Well, you keep them happy. You keep them un, uncloistered and... Uh, Make sure they have enough room. Like we added another brood box, so the brood is where the, you know, the babies are, the larvae, and and then the, above that is the honey boxes. So oh, you okay. want to make sure they have enough room to get around. So if you've got a crowded hive, they're going to be like, yeah, we're swarming, we're leaving. Have yes. you ever had a wild swarm just come in and say, hey, this looks like a nice place? No, I haven't, but I've heard swarms up in the trees. It sounds like a freight train. Yeah. It's the craziest thing. They're huge. I saw one once. Uh, I was out hiking with my husband, and I was like, oh my gosh. And of course, I'm way in the back country, the hills of California, and I'm thinking, they're Africanized bees. We're going to die. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm crouching and covering my eyes and ears. And it was just amazing. This massive swarm was sort of in these shrubs at about waist high, and they just rose up in the sky and took off. That's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they were really aggressive. Um, this spring, I got bit in the lip once. I was so out here. Why did like, they get aggressive? I think they were just like, you know, it was spring. It got hot really fast. Uh, they like hatched a, a bunch of bees. Hatched. They got overcrowded. They were getting antsy. It rained a lot. Then you know, so they were like cabin fever, just like people. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> it was a little crazy. So you don't like trying to keep them safe in winter? That's the hardest part, like keeping them alive? It's always a worry. You're worried, you know. Uh-huh. It's like, I wonder, you know, the weather will be really bad. I wonder how the bees are doing, you know, that it will have... Can you check on them or is that exposed? You, can, you don't want to open them up. Yeah, that but, exposes them to... you know, I've got, gone up there when I've been cleaning them off after a storm and I'll kind of like do the... And then I can hear. Oh, you can hear the buzzing. Yeah. So that's like, oh, good. 
So do they, um, I read this interesting thing once where the way they get rid of like a wasp or predator that's got a really bad sting is they surround them and just, you know, jostle and and use their heat, like their body heat and just like overheat it and kill it with heat. Yeah, I've heard that too. Or they'll, they'll just, you know, destroy it. And, but so that's also how they keep warm in the winter, right? Do they just all kind of huddle together yes. and buzz around and yes, so that you can there's a winter cluster in there. So okay. the cluster will you know be in one area of the hive, you know, eating the honey, and then they'll kind of move oh, around. Wow. So that's why you don't want it to freeze in there because if they then they can't get to even if yeah. there's food in there, you, they can't get to it. Wow, but they get a lot slower and more torpid, like in the cold weather, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. As anyone, as I think, <laughs> I think bees are very much like people. I mean, the, the the cabin fever, the the way they, you know, slow down in the winter, kind of store up a little extra fat. Yeah, um, it, it's the whole cycle. So, it's have you read that book? Uh, what is her name? Sue Hubble, I think, a country year, and she talks about a year keeping bees. Oh no. It's a great book, and she talked about the dance they do to communicate to each other where there are some flowers, which I thought that was fascinating. Yes, yes. I have, I want to read that, so... I have another question for you. Can you tell, like, oh, this is goldenrod honey versus this is clover honey? Like, can you taste the difference by where they've been? Well, yes, to some degree, uh, you can. Like, these hives, the honey is a different flavor, I've noticed from last year, because I think of what they're eating right around here. You know, I have a lot of, like, echinacea and the borage. And um, then rather up in the orchard, there's wild bergamot and the oh. blackberry blossoms. So I like to refer to that as blackberry, wild blackberry blossom honey, or wild bergamot. And then this is kind of a hodgepodge. But bees can go up to 50 miles. So yeah, so who knows? Who they? knows what they're really eating? That's my other question. You see these, um, you know... Jars and says organic honey, and I'm thinking, well, they're flying everywhere. How do you know what they're getting? Exactly. So I would never say organic because there's so many farms around here, and they do fly up to 50 miles. Yeah. Uh, and you know, like we have two hives over at our neighbors. Up, they have a, a prairie field. They planted wildflowers. Nice. You know, a few years ago, but it's beautiful. So we put two hives there. Now that honey will taste totally different. Now we just added those this year, so. We probably just let them have the honey they produce. We oh, won't yeah. pull any this year. But that's a totally different food scene for them. Yeah. Let me pull one and then I'll be right back. If you are enjoying these nature focused podcasts, would you please do me a favor? Take a screenshot of this podcast you are listening to right now and post it on your favorite hangout. Maybe that's Instagram. Maybe it's Facebook. This way, others can take a break from all the bad news that's out there and learn fascinating, cool things about this gorgeous world around us. And don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. It really, really makes a difference. Judy finds her husband, Billy, and has him take the four-wheeler up to the hives. He's going to take our bee suits that we're going to get zipped into. She and I hike up the hill to meet him. The brush is about thigh-high, and although I know ticks are rampant in Wisconsin, I've sprayed my jeans with pyrethrum, py, how do I say this, pyrethrum, anyway, a spray for ticks. (laughs) She doesn't seem worried, and she lives here, so I'll keep my paranoid thoughts about Lyme disease to myself. 
I'm somewhat nervous. I've never had my face over an active hive before, so this should be interesting. So how often do you visit the hives? Oh, he's always up here. So I've, I, you know, I've come up here a few times a week. I berry pick, take, come up, take pictures. Yeah, you've gotten some around. great photos on Instagram. Yeah, I, I like that. I'm not into selfies. No. <laughs> <laughs> we have great birds here. This was my next question. I, you know, like, do you do much birding or what kind of, like, what... What are the ones that thrill you? The woodpeckers. The pileated woodpeckers. In the spring, we get a wide, wide variety of the feeders. I've never seen a pileated woodpecker. I've, you know, I've seen the red-headed ones here, but... They're, big. they're huge, yeah. And they sound like prehistoric pterodactyls. Oh, do they? You might hear one. One of my tree stands. See the ladder? Oh, yeah. So you sit up there during deer season? Yeah, that was where I got my first deer with a bow. With a bow. Oh my gosh, I'm so impressed. Yeah, it's very exciting. And you have to really hit them in the right spot. So is it like behind the shoulder or where's your best? Yeah, behind the shoulder. We practice a lot. <laughs> it's fun. My Artemis friend. <laughs> All right, we'll cut through here. So I've got my bee suit on and I walk over to the hives. Billy and Judy are pointing out all the parts of the hives and what I'm looking at. It's crazy to have all these bees swarming all over me, and yet I'm not worried. I'm in my white bee suit, although they tell me it's not 100% protection, but it's still kind of cool. It's absolutely fascinating. Should I walk up here? Yeah. Come to the back, though. Like around and back? You don't want to stand in the front of a hive. Why don't I want to stand in front of a hive? Their flight pattern and it kind of makes them angry. Whoa. Oh, this is a new nut box. A nut box? Nuck, and you see. Oh, okay. A oh, new look nuck. at that. They're climbing all over there. Yeah. Okay, what's the difference between the open part and the sealed these, waxy part? These are, uh, this is brood. These are babies. This is the honey. To feed them. To feed them or others in there. Oh, cool. So this is all brood. This is a new nuck from a split. Yeah, we won't get So when any, you say it's all brood, what does that mean? We won't get any honey out of this. We want to establish the hive to get it going. Uh -huh. Next year we'll start uh, putting honey boxes on and getting honey out of them. So they'll just store honey for themselves yeah. for the winter. Okay. Now we just, I mean, we could if we forced it, but we have enough hives that we don't have to starve them or take that chance. So are we going to see the overpainted queen? Yeah, I'm looking for her now. <laughs> she's in here somewhere. So aren't you worried she's going to leave and swarm by opening this up? Well, if she does, she, you know, there's not much she can do. You gotta... Is that her right there? No, that's uh, one I uh, oh. exploded on. <laughs> that was next to her. <laughs> so there's a special bee pen you buy to paint the queen? Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's anything special. I think it's just a non-toxic 
permanent thing. Ooh, they're getting. Yeah, they'll start getting irritated. I'm probably gonna get stung in my pants. I might get over there. Holy cow! This is all honey in here mm -hmm. and pollen. You can see those yellow. Yeah. That's all pollen saved up. There's a bunch of pollen. So they don't get angry when you do this? Oh, I'm sure they do. If you're in there too long, they'll, they'll get So angry. is the queen usually in the middle? Oh, uh, she goes all over. Oh, okay. She kind of just got. That's why I mark them because otherwise you're never gonna find her. A lot of people don't mark them. Okay, this is kind of like being in a horror movie with bees <laughs> flying around. You can see the larvae in there. Yeah. That's wild. And then when I go through this, I look for uh, queen cells. What's right a queen cell? Oh, the right big there. one? So does that yeah. mean you're growing a queen there? Yeah, that means they're trying to, you know, just trying to grow a queen to just because they get bored and if one hatches well then you you know you might have problems inside your hive with too many queens here's another one oh so you get rid of those so they don't hatch a queen yeah okay even when she's marked There, oh, there she is. is. Yep. Wow. Yeah, the pen exploded on her. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it looks like she's okay, even yeah, though she's, she's all Yeah, she's okay. So she's long and skinny compared to the other sort of round yeah, bees. Yeah, and she's bigger. She's got smaller. What about that guy? He's sort of different. That's look like a regular honey A bee. drone. Oh, that's a drone? So the stripy ones that's, aren't drones? That's like that big sucker? That's, yeah. That's the male. That's another one here. Those don't sting. Oh, interesting. No but all stings. the stripey guys sting. Yeah, those are all work. So what's the difference? Drones, I thought their job was to mate with the queen. What else yeah, do they, they do? Yeah, they do up there. They don't do anything. Oh, really? Yeah, they, you know. And so the little stripey guys are the ones that make all the honey and raise They, them. and they control the queen. Ah, okay. But you can see, I don't know how good of an eye you have. If you look into these cells, yeah. you'll see a tiny piece of rice. It looks like rice. Oh, is that their little larva? That's their egg. Ah, okay. She can uh, produce two to 3,000 eggs a day. But wait, she goes on one mating flight. Yep. And so how long can she keep making eggs? Uh, they can last, a queen can last up to five years. You're kidding, from that one flight she yeah, makes all those eggs? And she doesn't ever leave again. That's amazing. Unless she swarms. How do you know if a queen is left? Or the whole hive goes with her? They all At least swarm? half the hive goes with her. And then if they do that, do they just raise another queen themselves? Like Yeah, okay, we they'll need do uh, like supersedure, supersedure cells where they immediately start growing a queen. And sometimes they don't. Uh, they just don't have them in them to produce a queen. So then you kind of help them along. And, and that's where I make the queens for them. <laughs> That's is. crazy. This is the first time I've ever been to a hive, like really? opened up and everything. Yeah. It's 
Yeah, I want to see how you separate all the the honey from the combs, etc. Yeah, I was asking Judy about those um, Australian hives where they, um, you know, put a spigot on it and make honey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it those sounds... Are, uh, um, what do they call those? Shoot, I forgot. It's more or less for, like, school kids to come and... and yeah, that makes sense. Observatory hives. Oh, there you go. Okay, so you've got these all labeled with a number on the front, and you've got some of them painted on the side. That's so cute. Yeah, and Judy paints paint them. <laughs> Judy painted some, and then they got swapped around. And she did all the Roman, Roman numeral numbers, and I don't know Roman numerals. So, <laughs> hence the 17 and 18 yeah. that I started. These right. were all splits that we did here. Oh, so when you had to split a hive? so it Yes, doesn't... when it was too much. You see, this one here is bearding. Bearding was yeah. What does that mean? So the bearding means they're all clustered on the outside. Oh, so yeah. So like outside. yesterday, they would have been all outside. I mean, it was so yeah. hot, right? Yeah, they were, and then they get kind of uh, aggressive too. So, huh. if I was to open up that one, we'd have our our hands full of bees. Yeah, never mind. Good. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Thank you for opening that up for me. That's oh, really yeah. cool. We'll to, uh, you want to come over here? I'll show you this. Okay. I thought Judy was laying down. <laughs> This is how I start the maiden. Uh, I use this, it's called the Nicote system. So that's how you create a queen or grow yeah, a queen? Yeah, this is how I, I put the queen in here. Uh-huh. So it's like, what, six she, by six She cannot get out box. of this. Plastic grate, yeah. Right. She's too big to get out of there, but the worker bees can get in there. Ah. So she'll go in there and she'll start laying eggs into these brown capsules yeah capsules and, and that's when I take uh, so then once the queen's in there for five days mm-hmm. you go into it you pop this off and it's real simple that's why I like it so much then you just take this find the cell you want push it down Oh, and it just comes up with that plastic. It comes up with that extruder thing, and then you just make sure it's on well. Okay, you got to be a little more gentle than I am. And oh, I see. And then you put there, that. And you and stick it in a hive. This, once you get them all on there, this goes into a queenless hive, which we'll be going up to now. I have a bunch oh. of queenless hives up there, and this is part of a queen cell that they started making. Okay. And then once it's so, why do you have several on there? Because sometimes they don't take, or they yeah, don't grow. Sometimes they don't take, and I kind of want to get as many as I can so I mm-hmm. can requeen old queens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to requeen every year. What happens if you put a new queen in with an old queen in a hive? Is They'll there... fight. Oh, they will until one one survives. Huh. And then uh, once it once it caps, once they cap that. I put this cage on it and put it back into the the, the queenless hive. Uh huh. Because if one of these hatches and I don't put a cage on, she'll go and kill the rest of them. Oh, she'll so like go into those little capsules and, and kill, kill them. them all. Yeah. That's fascinating. So that's so the why, minute she's okay. Yeah, you really have to be on these so you don't get. I mean, otherwise you lose all your work and you end up with just one yeah. queen that's stinging everything. Well, you know, you see that in the animal kingdom. Kill the young, that might threaten your dominance. But I didn't know bees did it, too. 
Yeah, they're, uh, you know, people think that the queen bee runs the show in there, but she really doesn't. Let me put these away. Time to dabble with little things, little gloves on. So yeah, that's why I like this. Other people use like a grafting where they they go in there with a a tool and they oh, scoop no it out and put it into a cup and then. That sounds very fussy. So it is, and you got to be looking under uh, mic, not microscope, but you know, in a magnifying glass. glass. Yeah. And that's not. Uh, Okay, so now we're going to go to a queenless hive, and you're going to put that in it? No, I don't need to put this in yet. I have okay. uh, three queens up there now that I'm not sure if they've made it yet. How can you tell if they've made it? Usually they get bigger. Oh, okay. If these are kind of small. Is that within days they get bigger? Yeah, huh. yeah. All right. After they're made it, then their, their tail starts to get a little longer. Okay. The last time I was in there three days ago, they were in there, but they looked small yet. I wasn't sure. I didn't see any eggs in there, so I thought, well, they're not ready. Hmm. Unfortunately, handling a recording device with giant bee gloves on your hands isn't my forte. So I accidentally switched off the interview as Billy was showing me how he grows his queens. Right after my visit with the hives, Judy and I walked back down the hill and got stung. I got stung on my cheekbone, which made me look like I had facial fillers on one cheek, and she got stung on the lip, which swelled to like three inches. It was amazing. We entered her kitchen to get some ice, and she gave me a tour of her home. My favorite part was her studio. Who doesn't want their own studio? A room where you can putter, paint, or do what you want. Oh, this is so cool. What was particularly fascinating was her collection of critter skulls. Judy could point out which were deer. Fox, squirrel, etc. Macabre, but mesmerizing. It was a great visit overall, and you should buy some Vanda Honey for yourself. Their website is www.vandahoney.com. You'll see pictures of their raw prairie flowered honey, Judy's oil paintings, and art, which is for sale, and great photos of their hives, which Judy paints. That's vandahoney.com. Vanda Honey is spelled V A N. D-E-H-O-N-E-Y, Vanda Honey. You can also follow Judy on Instagram and see her great photos of bees and flowers and everything that has to do with a beekeeper's life on Instagram. I just said that. Anyway, it's at Vanda Honey. You can get these show notes at thisoutsidelife.com slash bees. And don't forget to grab your free downloads, links, and information like recipes with honey, good books on beekeeping, and stuff like that. Just go to thisoutsidelife.com slash bees. Okay, guys, please share this show with a friend. We will be talking with professional equestrians, surfing pioneers, national park employees, and falconers, just to name a few. I will see you guys right back here next time. And don't forget, get outside. It's good for your insides.